What's going on, everybody? I'm Johnny Brook from Crafted Workshop. Welcome back to episode number 46 of the Crafted Podcast here on September 13th. We're a podcast that's all about making stuff by hand, woodworking, metalworking, leather, electronics, and more. We put out new episodes every Thursday on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, pretty much everywhere podcasts are available. Also, we are changing our live streaming time. Uh, we have been doing it on Wednesday night here for a little bit. But we're going to change it to Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern time. So hopefully some of you guys can make it. I know a lot of people listen to talk radio and that kind of thing while they're at work. So hopefully that'll work for some of you guys. So we'll still put out the shows on Thursday, but we will be changing the live streaming time to 10 a.m. Eastern time. And we will be still live streaming on our YouTube channel. So just search for Crafted Podcasts on YouTube and we'll come right up. Uh, If you really like the show, go ahead and rate it on iTunes. A five-star rating would be super appreciated. That really helps us out. And we are also on Patreon. We are slowly creeping up on that $250 goal for the weekend show. And our top patrons of the week are Make, Build, Modify, Master of None, and Debbie Brooke. Let me introduce my co-hosts as always. I've got James Wright from Woodby Wright. What's going on, James? Oh, I'm doing fine today. Thank you for having me. Pleasure <laughs> to be here. I'm just, I'm just as happy as a clam in a shell. <laughs> wow. All right. That's a new one. I like it. <laughs> I like it. And I've got Zach Rolls from ZH Fabrications. What's going on, Zach? Hey. That was that was great, man. That How was many a, people that just was... spewed their coffee across their desk? Yeah. Fantastic uh, uh, change of pace there. I like it. Yeah, from the smooth, like, you know, Creep. smooth jazz NPR hour voice to uh, now, I don't even know what that was. <laughs> Hillbilly. It sounded like, sound like a NASCAR driver. Yeah, yeah, or like an auctioneer, you know, like Would a buy southern right auctioneer. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty good. Nice. Well, uh, let's talk about what we've been working on. James, you want to kick us off? Yeah, I've been uh, working on my uh, my French cleat wall, which is... It's, it should be a very simple project, but it is one that I've been dragging out now for like, what, two weeks? <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, if it was a power tool shop, it would have, you know, it's like a 20 minute project, but I'm I'm trying to document doing it several different ways. And so each way requires a little bit more um, playing around with it and actually uh, trying to find out how to do it. And because yeah. I, I think that's one of the, the interesting things that we do is we try to make the mistakes and then show people the way we found the best way to do it as opposed to just, you know, stumbling in the shop and attacking it. Definitely. Sometimes that's how I do it. So, (laughs) (laughs) so what method is working best for you so far? Um, I have a little uh, jack that I made that sits on the, on the saw bench to hold the piece of work at about a 20 degree angle. Um, And that makes it so that uh, the, the work is basically held in place and I can, I can, I can use it just like I would a flat piece, but rather than it being flat on top of the saw bench, it's just held up at a, at a 20 degree angle for cutting the, uh, the long angle down the strip. Nice. Nice. So it's, it's cool, going fairly well. Yeah. When do you think you'll be done with it? Uh, I probably have about another 40, 50 minutes worth of actual cutting. And uh, then it's the, the finish work and hanging it all up. Yeah, what did you did you figure out where you're hanging it with? Because I know like regular old screws would be a bit of a pain. Yeah, I'm going to be doing regular old screws, just pre-drilling everything and driving wow. it. In. Now, actually, with with a brace and bit, they they go pretty darn quickly. Yeah, just driving them with hand by hand would be. Yeah, Ooh. screwdriver is no, your wrist just dies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be intense. Nice, cool. What else you been working on? 
Well, um, I've also been running and running some more and running more than that. As I, <laughs> I did, uh, I did my marathon last week and then, um, Friday this week I did a 10 K Saturday. I did 25 K and then Sunday I was going to go do a 50 K, um, but ended up blowing out my ankle and had to DNF the race. Um, so I wasn't quite as happy as I wanted to be, but, uh, still a lot of miles. Yeah, man. It's, it's uh, way too many miles. <laughs> All through the trails and hills. It's a, it's a yeah. lot of fun. That's, yeah, it's funny. I've actually kind of started trying to get into a little bit of trail running myself and mm-hmm. uh, trying to do that couch to turn program. To, to see the, I, the trees and all. It's, yeah. I actually, yeah, I actually, I actually went for a run today, too, hmm. which well, is something go. I never do. But, like, I've been in Chattanooga and, like, drinking way too much and eating, like, so much <laughs> barbecue and... I just feel disgusting. So like today I'm like, I have to go out and do something. So <laughs> nice. That's yeah. funny. That's funny. Cool. Well, I guess Zach, you haven't really probably been working on much, right? Considering no, it was, uh, man, it's been, I, I do say this every week, but like, it just keeps on getting crazier. Like, so I'm sure anybody listening is familiar with uh, hurricane Irma. And, uh, that was, it's, it's it's just it's crazy like so it was originally it was supposed to go up the atlantic coast so no big deal and then the, the models kept shifting it west and we kept watching it and uh it was set to go up the middle of the state and and i'm pretty stubborn so i was like ah, no big deal but my wife was like okay we need to figure this out because it's a cap five and it's just wrecking everything so the next morning it showed it kept going west and we're like we we probably should get out so we got in our cars and headed north to uh some friends in chattanooga and uh yeah it was like the most terrifying experience of my life there was there was no gas in the state like gas there's people camped out at gas stations hoping that like a tanker will come and fill it up uh there was a period that was I mean, it was gridlocked almost all the way out of the state, but there was a period where it took us three hours to get six miles and, uh, there's cars pushed off the side of the road, like abandoned and people are walking because they ran out of gas. I mean, it was, it felt like a movie. It was surreal. And then like trying to, uh, it was in that, those, those, uh, six miles where we had a half a tank of gas and we're, I mean, we had, we had been driving for probably seven hours and we'd gotten about a hundred and maybe 180 miles and, uh, and wondering like, God, if this gridlock keeps up and there's no gas in the state, like we're not going to make it, we're not going to make it out. So like having to make that decision in my head, like, are we best to keep driving North or we have a half a tank? Do we drive back to our house and try and ride it out there so it was incredible one of the most stressful like one probably the most stressful and terrifying experience in my life um yeah. but fortunately uh we got out and uh we called some friends in tallahassee earlier and we said go fill up go fill up some fill up everything you have with gas and uh he he had a pretty much a tank sitting aside for us when we got there. And, uh, fortunately the hurricane curved last minute and did absolutely nothing. So 
we got lucky there, but it was, it was still a crazy experience. So we're still up in Chattanooga. It's actually turned out to be a great vacation. They're, they're good friends. So it almost feels like we're at home. Um, it's given me a chance to catch up on some of my modeling that I've had to do my 3d models and reaching out to uh, clients and, and stuff. So it's been a good experience and, and there's great beer and excellent food. And it's a really, <laughs> it's a really cool city for how small it, it is. is. I'm blown away. Like you, you Chattanooga drive through Chattanooga. Awesome, I know it's weird. You, like if you just drive through it, you'd be like, wow, this place is a dump. Like it just doesn't look cool at all. And then you go into like, cause all the buildings are like, old brick worn down like which is cool but they don't look like they don't look like they've been uh gone through yet so but there's so many like all the bars and stuff are incredibly nice and like the food is amazing it's just yeah it's like a it's like a hidden gem it's a really cool city so yeah we used to go there every summer <clears throat> growing up because it's only about two hours from atlanta so it's like a really easy little weekend trip yeah. you know when you've got like kids and stuff so we would go up and tour the mayfield milk uh plant there and get our free scoop of ice cream and <laughs> uh, and then i've gone back several times as an adult and yeah they've got this really burgeoning little kind of beer and liquor scene like there's a chattanooga uh, whiskey company that's <clears throat> actually really good um yeah it's a cool spot for sure yeah yeah it's it's it's, it's been fun like, a lot of good lumber as opposed to uh palm trees yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, no sand that I know of. So, yeah. that's, well, uh, I was thinking, <laughs> like, man, I could totally, I could totally live here. Like, it's a really cool place. And then uh, they were talking about how the summers are brutal and hot and humid. And I'm like, oh, yeah. okay, well, that's that's out. We're it's not the southeast man. Man. anymore. It's, uh, so, other than that, it's avoid. awesome. But nice, yeah. Cool. So that's what I've been up to. Heading back uh, Friday, I think, is is the plan. So we have one more day. There's actually uh, one of my YouTube Instagram followers is is we're going to meet up for dinner tomorrow because he lives out here. So um, nice. So yeah, cool. Well, I've been uh, working on this concrete and steel end table, and pretty much got it done. Um, Got the base welded up today. Just use standard half-inch rebar. So uh, that was kind of interesting. Had never worked with rebar in that way before. And it was actually really easy. And I think it's a great way. You know, I think going to a steel yard, uh, as somebody who's never been to a steel yard, can be kind of intimidating. So uh, I think that's a kind of a good potential option. Although I did kind of run into an issue. I was trying to just uh, weld it on you know the 110 uh outlet uh with the lincoln electric the power mig and it wasn't quite powerful enough on 110 uh, i was getting a lot of like kind of sputtering and i uh, wasn't getting a ton of great penetration so um my 220 outlet for the welder is kind of on the other side of the shop and so i have to use it basically outside or else like i'm right next to my table saw and it's all awkward and it was pouring rain because of the hurricane anyway so Today, uh, it was a beautiful day, so welded outside and worked beautifully on 220 or 240 or whatever. And, uh, yeah, so got it welded up, got it all ground down nice and smooth, and then painted it. So that's looking good. And then the concrete turned out great. I'm, like, amazed at how really simple that was. Built the form and used silicone uh, caulk to kind of create the beveled edges 
and then you know just mix up the concrete poured it in there vibrated it with a, a reciprocating saw with no blade on it and the top is extremely extremely smooth so nice uh, really yeah really happy with the way that's looked and uh then just kind of sanded it a little bit with regular old sandpaper and then did added some the aggregate sealer. in there or did you uh straight it out no, I just use straight up like Quickrete 5000. It's like the pro cool. finish one. So just straight out of the bag. I did nothing to it. So yeah. um, I did add a little coloring, like some just artisanal distilled water. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, funny enough, did use distilled water because I just had a <laughs> gallon jug of it sitting there. I'm like, man, you know, it's like, yeah, put in three quarters of a gallon. I'm like, well, I've got a gallon jug here. So that's going to make it a lot easier to figure that out. But, uh, yeah, I've heard Fiji water is the best for concrete. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to distill it yourself. That's the uh, that's the key. That's how you can business expense a uh, a still is for the concrete work. But anyway, yeah, so it was really pretty simple. Although I mixed up like so much concrete, I mixed up an entire eighty pound bag, and this little end table top is like fourteen inches wide and like two and a half inches thick. So. I have this huge tub of basically like dried up concrete that I don't know what to do with. It's uh, I got to take like a sledgehammer to it and like dump it in the, uh, in, I don't know, somewhere, but anyway, so happy with the way that's coming along. It's been, uh, you know, I haven't welded in a long time and I've never done concrete. So it was uh good to kind of get back to it really kind of trying to get my metal side of the shop more dialed in got the welding table video done and the welding table built finally. And man, having a metal welding table, it's pretty nice. I must say <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit of a game changer. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm getting a cart from ZT fab. Um, they, they make carts that basically can hold multiple welders or plasma cutters. So right now I have three separate welding carts, one for, the power mig 210 one for the square wave 200 tig welder and then one for the tomahawk 375 plasma cutter so the footprint of those three carts is ridiculous so i'm getting a cart from zt fab that will hold all three of those machines in one vertical cart and two tanks so one like 100 percent argon or whatever for for tig and then a co2 argon mix for mig and it'll hold some TIG rods, so it's going to be sweet. I'm I'm pretty pumped on that. So I'm looking to see that. That's that's a cool yeah fixture. Yeah, that's they, actually on my on my build list is to build a uh, uh, a uh, cart for my TIG and MIG, just combined yeah. unit. Yeah, so they. I, uh, could, I could get one, but I I feel like I I have some ideas that I haven't seen anybody else do. Yeah, I, I mean, it gives you a good excuse so. to to get like a bender and stuff like that too. I mean, it's a, uh, you know, ZT fab. I don't know if you've seen their stuff, but like April Wilkerson built one of their carts a while ago. They're really, really nice. Like all CNC cut and, you know, really they're, they're cool looking. I'm, I'm actually considering trying to practice my TIG welding on the cart just cause it's such a nice looking cart that I would love to get some sexy TIG welds on there. Um, so we'll see if I actually do that or just be lazy and do it with MIG, but, uh, yeah, anyway, so that's about, that's about it for me. Just been, uh, I haven't, dude, I haven't done any woodworking in like two weeks. It's really, really weird. It's, uh, I was, I was like on a roll, man. Like I'd put out video after video after video, like 
like two or three weeks straight and I was all on track to put out that, that, uh, like blacksmithing, uh, coat rack thing that I did the forged coat rack. And then like all I had left is I ordered a keyhole bit for my, uh, router and it just showed up the day before we left. And I just needed to, all I have left to do is like route the keyholes, put it on the wall and take a picture. I already have the video edited and everything. And, uh, yeah, it just didn't happen. We didn't have time. So, so there's going to be a week hang up on that. So, but I have this, uh, so today I finally got a chance because I've been wanting to do a, um, like a shop stool for a while. <clears throat> yeah. And I wanted to do something different and I came up with one today and you guys saw it, but, uh, it requires turning a third or a, is it 12, either 11 or 12 inch diameter cone out of wood. And, uh, I don't know how I'm going to do that yet. <laughs> so it's like, but then it occurred to me a little bit later, I'm like, Hmm, Johnny has a really nice lathe. I was going to say, have, yeah, we haven't done a collab for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, yeah. Come on up, man. Back by Johnny's place. Yeah. You're going to make me come up and do it. Oh, you want me to turn it for you. I see what you're saying. Maybe. You're I don't know. I'm, I'm going to do the hard part. I'm still just, it's just a cone. It shouldn't be that hard, right? Well, so what would be tricky with that design (laughs) is the hole placement. So the way you have the legs going through the cone, you know, I could, I could do that. I could do all of that. Okay. Yeah. Cause it'd probably be easiest to do that before turning it while it's still square and then turn it. That would be easier, but I could do it. I could do it another (laughs) way. Yeah, dude, I haven't even turned on that that big behemoth lathe in a, a while. I uh, that that might actually be kind of a fun project. Although, dude, the the size of the piece of wood you'd need would be ridiculous. I know. It, well, it's it's gonna. It would. I thought about that too, and I was like, it'd have to be a glue up. And I'm like, God, I really oh, want to yeah. do walnut, but that would be a bunch of walnut. Like, so it's. it's I mean, only, it's only ten inches long. Yeah, but I think the diameter is like eleven or twelve. I mean, it wouldn't be that bad. It would be like less than one board, you know? I mean, I've got, I've probably got enough walnut. I mean, I know I have enough walnuts sitting around to do that. We'll see. So I'm building that bar table for a client like next week and I'm going to be using a ton of walnut for it. I'm using like, I'm building a bar table and two matching kind of bar height benches. And so whatever walnut I have left over, uh, yeah, like if you get scraps, to that, I, I mean, think anything, I might be able to glue up a block like that. Uh, anything, Johnny, I, Zach, all anything, you can do is right now with all the windstorms that are going through that area, yeah, uh, just go around and log. look for a tree that's fallen down and hack out a log. Yeah. Well, I've got a red oak log sitting in my backyard. I could, uh, I could nobody likes you off oak. of. I know. Uh, of course, like, all of all the trees that fall in my yard and smash my car to bits had to be freaking red oak. I'm like, you know what you my, should my do? Least you favorite wood. You know what you should do with that? You should... What kind of car did it fall on? My Kia Soul. You should, like... You should carve out a Kia Soul out of that log. (laughs) Get into carving, (laughs) James style. Just for that that one thing. It's like the ultimate retribution. Uh, Find a a 3D CAD file of of it and do it on a CNC. Yeah, that would be be pretty good. That would be pretty Uh, good. And then you could... Yeah, that'd be awesome. (laughs) <laughs> but uh 
Yeah, so that's what I was thinking. I'm still waiting to hear back. Um, I've been talking to Rockler, but I don't think they have a lathe that is capable of of turning something of that diameter. I don't think you know, their Rockler lathe is. So the Excelsior will do, I think, ten inches. So which I mean, you know, it depends how big. It seems like I don't know what that cone is. It seems to be just aesthetic. So you know what I mean. Uh, it seems like you could. Uh, I could build it without it, but, but I won't, I mean, that's, I mean, I haven't, I have another model that looks good without it, but I really think aesthetically it's kind of a cool, and I think it would look really good in person too. I think. Yeah. So, I mean, everything I design in 3d models, you know, I think I'm like, Oh, that looks pretty cool. And then when I build it, I'm like, that's so much better than it looked in the model. Yeah. And I want it to be different, you know, like the, if I took it out, it, I could make it look, it just look like a, every other kind of neat bar stool, but it wouldn't be like a unique, you know, it's, mm-hmm. that's like I said, I've said it before, but that's like my goal with everything I build. I want you to like, anybody should walk by it and notice it. Yeah. So yeah, that would be, uh, that'd be cool. I mean, dude, honestly, like that cone wouldn't probably take more than, an hour to turn. So I know uh, I just need the tool to do it. I, I need to scour like the Tampa Craigslist area and see if there's something. Cause I just don't Where want to spend like a lathe though, dude. That's what like, I'll make I room. you said. Oh, you didn't have room is... for a nicer welding table. I'm like, bro, You're you asking... weld every week. Like turning, turning is one of those things. Like you think, unless you get really heavy down that rabbit hole in chairs. <clears throat> yeah. It just collects dust. I mean, to be quite honest with you, well, I, I, yeah, you're you're asking the guy who just designed an object that he doesn't have the tool to make. Like yeah. you think you think I am planning on where I'm going to put that thing yet? Like you know, no if way. You want to? You could build a spring pole lathe in a, in a day or good. two. You good, dude? You should see if Tampa has any maker spaces or like yeah. tool library type things, and yeah. just go do it there. There's definitely some woodworkers yeah. in the Tampa area, and there's a woodcraft there, and. Patrick's workshop, yeah. workshop just said dreadnought workshop is in that area. So huh. I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I think, think you I can could, figure it out. I think so. I bet I could find somebody. Um, yeah. You know, there's, yeah. there's probably somebody that follows my YouTube or Instagram. That'd be a fun collab for you. Dreadnought workshop. Yeah. yeah I'm not familiar sure. with dreadnought workshop. Yeah. He's good stuff for sure. We, he was in Atlanta last, uh, at the Atlanta. Oh, okay. Workshop. Okay. Cool. Well, um, Let's talk about the show topic. Uh, so we don't, <laughs> I don't think we have a super clear idea, but it's basically, we got a question from Ryan wall uh, through email and he was asking us about what, uh, you know, some 3d modeling and CAD programs and basically asking about the differences and pros and cons of SketchUp versus fusion 360, that kind of thing. Uh, and you know, CNC machines, that kind of thing. And so I was just thinking it might be an interesting conversation to talk about digital fabrication and digital manufacturing in general and kind of how we see that, you know, impacting our, you know, hobby and our businesses and, and what place those kind of techniques have, I think it could be kind of interesting. So I I know, I guess I'm the only one in the group who has a CNC, but, uh, I'm sure you guys have some opinions about it, but uh, I thought that might be kind of interesting. So James, as the resident hand tool guy, what, what do you think about 3d printing and CNCs and that kind of thing? 
I love it. Um, especially if you're ever doing it for, you know, uh, money, if you're, if you're making things to sell, I mean, that's just, that's a no brainer to be able to throw something on there and, and walk away and, and, you know, doubling your time, especially if it's something you're doing a lot of. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, to me, obviously, you know, CNC routers have the most kind of, applicable skills based on what we're doing, you know, being able to either create parts very easily or, you know, one thing I've been thinking about using my CNC for would be to create like bent lamination forms because those are kind of a pain to create. You know, you have to usually make multiple layers of the exact same piece. And usually that means a lot of template routing, that kind of thing. Whereas you could just drop a piece of plywood or MDF on the CNC and, you know, route out the same shape over and over again. Um, so that that's one definite use case. But, you know, as far as becoming a profitable production shop, there's so much stuff you can do, you know, signs and that kind of thing. That, that the CNC is incredibly useful. Um, and same goes for if you're on the metal side, having a CNC plasma cutter, you know, it's uh, an incredibly useful tool. But I think for me, I've always felt 3D printing was kind of gimmicky until more recently where I've really started to kind of see it becoming more applicable to a lot of different things. And one of those is like metal casting. I've seen some really cool stuff with people using 3d printers to create the the model out of plastic and then create the kind of aluminum casting mold out of that. And then that's been some really interesting uh, kind of techniques. And I, I feel like the barrier to entry for a lot of these tools is becoming so much lower because of maker spaces and libraries and places like that, that, you know, the whole, well, I don't have a CNC or a 3d printer excuse is becoming less relevant. Yeah. And they're really, most of them are coming down to the price of a, of a decent table saw. Yeah. They, is, yeah. It's uh it's kind of insane really how compared to, you know, even five years ago, it's, uh, you know, the X-Carve or the Shapeoko, while they're certainly not the caliber of something, you know, like uh, an Axiom or some other larger, you know, higher end kind of all in machine uh, for a hobbyist, they're outstanding. Uh, great way to kind of get into CNC work. And honestly, on the wood side, you generally don't need as much precision as you might uh, you know, especially on like the the metal side. I mean, wood is to me a lot more forgiving, yeah. you know, a 32nd of an inch is not as big of a deal. Well, if you've ever yeah. seen um, like a uh, um, Bearcat wood, uh, he did his legs for his bench on the CNC and uh, he has a, a fourth axis, which is basically like a, a lathe underneath yep. mill um, fourth axis or fifth axis. It's fourth axis. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, no, I think it's fifth axis because his head also turns. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, he can do some cool things on his. Man, um, at least I he think could do like ball and claw foot with his CNC. That would be crazy. Yeah, but once you start doing that, uh, I mean, you're, you're basically being able to do, you know, 3D printing with wood. Yeah. And, uh, you can get some, some really, really cool things with that. And to the point where you just, you know, it doesn't take much more than a you know, hundred grit sandpaper to a, a finish and then you're done. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting. I think I've seen a lot of woodworking type of people. I feel like become intimidated by the idea as if 
CNCs or 3D printers are going to replace us, but I don't really see that happening. I think for some things it, it might happen. You know, like I've seen, if you've been to any big woodworking trade show, you know, the, the robots that basically pick up a sheet of plywood and on the other end of the line pops out a fully finished cabinet. You know, like that's, uh, <laughs> that, that would be scary as a, you know, cabinetry shop or something like that. But the type of stuff we do, it, it would be very difficult, I think, to really, I mean, obviously, James, <laughs> impossible <laughs> to, to replicate what you're doing with uh, a CNC. But um, I think, you know, I think there will all be, always be a place for that kind of handmade product. Mm-hmm. And I almost think of, you know, digital manufacturing as an apprentice. You know, it's 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 replacing what 100 years ago would have been somebody else doing this kind of menial work for you. That was the the big drive um, during like world uh, just before World War Two and just after World War Two uh, was all the power tools suddenly coming out were um, billed as it replaces an apprentice. Yeah, yeah, it's that's, uh, that's, that's not just replacing an apprentice. That's like getting another master. Oh yeah, I mean I, I can't I cannot fathom the efficiency gain the the day that like table saws became readily available that must have been just the most insane moment you know because that is uh, it's just nuts like comparing that to ripping something by hand is just a a massive massive difference it's like elect like elect electricity in the workshop is like indoor plumbing yeah like it's like the the equivalent of are you saying i'm a caveman (laughs) i am yeah, that's uh, that's funny, Zach. What do you think about digital manufacturing? I, I've never really talked to you about it. I don't know. Like, I'm not interested in it. I, it's not to say that I don't think it's like cool and has its place and stuff. But I feel like the reason I got into doing what I do is because I get to use my hands and I get to be out there and I'm connected to what I'm working on. Um, probably similar to James, although, you know, I, I take a few shortcuts with some power tools, but, um, I feel I enjoy the process of, of, of starting with raw material and using my hands to turn it into something that's in my head. And that's, that's the fun for me, you know, whereas not to say you don't do the same thing with, with digital or, you know, it's just a different way of getting there. And I feel like my, it doesn't, it doesn't connect to me on the same level, you know, like uh, it's, it's just, I guess it's just a different medium of, of creation. And I feel like I would be inspired differently if I were doing it, you know, behind a computer. So it's, it's like a, it's like a Zen thing for me. I don't know. I mean, it's just, I just love being out in the workshop and, you know, doing stuff there's there's also the aspect to anything automated that it becomes almost instantly perfect yeah Um, whereas if i carve something it will never be perfect whereas a cnc unit can carve it just as fast if not faster in one go um it will be perfect and that first idea that sounds fantastic um but if you hold up a digitally perfect item up to a hand carved item that has a few minor flaws those few minor flaws suddenly make the whole thing come to life yeah and exactly. it's not something you can ever really 
know until you experience it or until you are actually interested in the piece. Um, because mm-hmm. you know, if it's just something that you would have as a, a hotel tchotchke or whatnot, you would, you know, you could find on the road. Um, that's not going to make that much of a difference to you. But if it's something that you're going to have in your own house, something you're regularly interacting with, it becomes very apparent very quickly. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. And there's like one of the things that's really cool when we were in here in Chattanooga, we went to this place called, uh, I think it's called the yellow deli and it's, there's like this commune here and, and, and I think it's called the 12 tribes commune or something like this. And, they do everything. Like they have a blacksmith, they have a bakery, they have this, and it's really cool. I mean, they're, they're really good at what they do. And this, this, uh, restaurant that we went to everything they made themselves, like all the stairs, all the, um, you know, the benches are wood and they have like brass tacked leather around them and it's like hide leather. So it's not like square and perfect. It's like, you can see like the shape of the animal on the, you know, and it's just, and like all the, you know, the, not the railings, but in between it's all like knitted. They had a blacksmith that forged their shelves and their stands and it's everything in there was handmade everything. Like, and there's just something to that. Like it's definitely not perfect. It's like organic. Like, like I said, the leather, like you can see the hand railings, like you can see where one starts and the other one stops and kind of the, the silhouette of, of whatever animal it was. And I mean, that's just an example of, you know, it's not, it's not perfect. It's not uniform. It's not, you know, and there's, there's, it just, it felt like my wife, Tracy, she said, I feel like I'm in the coolest tree house I've ever been. (laughs) I've ever seen in my life. And like, but it like in an awesome way, it like felt like a fairy tale. It's just, but that's, I feel like that's kind of the vibe that like when you walk into a place even if you don't know the difference, even if you know nothing about construction or building, you don't know the difference between, you don't even know what a CNC is or whatever. If you walk into a place and everything is handmade, like, you know, something is different. Like it's just, yeah. it just feels organic and it has uh, like a character and soul to it. And I'm not saying that, uh, that that's better. It's just, it's just a different thing, you know? And, and I like that. So, yeah. And I feel also when, when you get into it, it's almost, um, turns into, a ends justifying the means issue with, with a lot of digital production because it turns into production and it's not because you can't be creative with it, but who uses that stuff? Mostly companies that want to crank out a thousand of the same thing. So it's, it's almost like that tool, See, I, I disagree like, though. I mean, maybe mostly, but I think more and more, absolutely, people yeah, are using it, thinking outside the box. Because you know, as I said, things like cabinetry and you know, cutting squares out, there's no art form to that. There is yeah. no, you know what I mean? Like building a cabinet carcass, a monkey could do if you trained. You know what I mean? So there's no creativity to that. You're you're building to dimensions you're you're building the same way every single time Uh, i agree i'm saying i'm saying that like i feel like they they get like the digital like all that stuff gets more of a bad rap because usually you see it being used for mass production exactly like so i feel like it kind of gets like i said it's the ends justifying the means it's something that like people the 
most the majority of the people that buy those things are probably companies that buy it in order to mass produce things. Although, yeah. I mean, that's just, that's, it's just a tool, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm not, that's not to say that there aren't individuals out there that that can buy it and do some really unique custom stuff with it, which is fantastic. It's just unfortunate that most of what gets associated with that sort of production is production. Yeah. So, well, I think that's probably because the cost has been so prohibitive, you know, so like in order to justify a machine like that, you got to really, you know, you got to be making a lot of widgets, you know? So, um, I, I think that's what's interesting to me is seeing the way people are kind of thinking outside the box and, you know, people like Frank Howarth and, and, you know, those kind of people who are just kind of pushing the, the CNC envelope and using a CNC where it wouldn't traditionally be used. And uh, he's done some really cool kind of joinery techniques where it's basically instead of like dovetails, it's like a squiggly kind of rounded looking thing. And it's just really interesting to me. Um, that, that's where I think, you know, custom furniture makers are going to start incorporating it more and more as the prices continue to go down because, you know, being able to add weird shapes and, and textures and, and things like that, that would be a Royal pain and would take forever to do, especially if you need to do like eight of them for like, just think of a dresser, you know, if you want all eight drawers to have this really cool, like continuous pattern across them, uh-huh. that would be very difficult traditionally, but with something like a CNC that kind of unlocks some really interesting potential. So uh, yeah, I, well, one one thing I, I read a while ago that there are there are several steps to um, woodworking or any working detail. Um, number one, there's the straight line. So cutting a straight line, you know, ripping a board, or, or as a table saw can do that fantastically. Um, then the, the next step is cutting an inside corner. Um, so how do you cut a a corner in a board? Well, a table saw can't do that by itself. You need something that reciprocates, a, you know, a jigsaw. Mm-hmm. Um, then the next step is multiple compound figures. In other words, a, a carved face, um, something that has a, a flow to it. And it was a long time until machines could duplicate that until you got like uh, panta routers or things like that, that have started to get into it. Um, and then you can get into undercuts and three dimensional rounded shapes, which you get with multiple access, um, um, you know, routers and such but one area where they still haven't come back around to is a a third straight face cut um where is rather than you know cutting an l out of a board if you cut a mortise out of a board and have a flat surface and have a tight square corner in the bottom um, there really isn't a great way of making that with a power tool no um yeah, that's that's one thing I, I'm I'm looking forward to actually seeing how a tool can do that. That's, that's the one last piece that power yeah. tools haven't been able to fully conquer. Well, like a hollow chisel mortiser making yeah, a baby well, by the CNC would be pretty sweet. You well, know, even like a hollow one. chisel mortiser, the problem is it doesn't give a flat bottom. Yeah, exactly. So you'd you'd have to come at it from from three different angles to get that yeah. to get that face. Yeah, um, but that's one of the the few things where if you see a a three sided inside corner. It was made by hand. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting. It's uh it, it excites me. It's, it's something that, you know, I, I need to use my CNC more. I think 
you know, size limitations are always the biggest thing to me. If I had, you know, an infinitely large CNC, I think it, it would probably get more use, but man, that the footprint would be, my wife would have to park outside for sure. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, so I guess let's talk about Ryan's question. I mean, you guys probably won't have a ton of input on this. Well, I guess you both use SketchUp, so y- you will. But so he's just wanting to know, you know, SketchUp versus Fusion Fusion 360. They're both free. They're obviously very different uh, tools. And, you know, kind of what are the pros and cons of each? So um, for me personally, I use SketchUp quite a bit, um, a, a whole lot actually. And I think for woodworking, it's really effective. But that being said, I haven't kind of dove into Fusion enough to know how good it would be at at the stuff that I'm currently doing in SketchUp. I I think I would imagine it's actually probably better because it's a much more sophisticated program uh, as far as just the way it it kind of, what what is it called? I'm trying to remember. Basically, any of the like thicknesses and, and things like that of materials can all be controlled in one kind of section of the program. So let's say you've built a desk out of three quarter inch plywood and you decide you want to build it out of half inch plywood. You just change that number one place. It automatically adjusts everything else with the desk, all the pieces, all of their sizes to kind of fit that. So uh, that's something that SketchUp certainly does not do. Um, but you know, SketchUp, I think it's maybe a little simpler to learn, but maybe not. I don't know. What What do you guys think? Well, um, in my background, my my master's, um, part of that was learning um, Autodesk and CAD works. So I had uh, several classes in that for drafting and designing um, theater sets and houses and machinery, automation, that type of thing. Um, and so I am I am very, very at home with several different high-end CAD machines, you know, the ones you're paying, you know, thousands of dollars for a, uh, for a particular computer. Um, and as much as I am comfortable with those, um, SketchUp is very, very intuitive. It's very easy for a layman to sit down and figure it out in an afternoon and be sketching. Um, that being said, it has a lot of limitations. It is a sketching program. It is not a designing program. Um, it's, it's intuitive and easy to understand and great for the, for the beginner who they want to draw something and see it, but not particularly to pull measurements and figuring out how is it going to fit together and work and mechanically function. Whereas fusion 360 is really the first free 3d designing program that's come along that can do all those mechanical features. And that's where it comes to life. If you want to build something and see how it works in reality, how it feels, um, you know, what the, what the functions of the pieces are, and so many more aspects to the actual um, you know, uh, things you put into it, um, Fusion 360 is great for that. It takes a little bit more to learn. Now, that being said, they've done a great job. It is very user-friendly and, and very easy to learn in comparison to a lot of the, the higher-end CAD um, programs. And you can do a lot more with it. So if you're willing to learn a little bit more, 360 is the way to go. It is it is fantastic. But if yep. you just want to sketch something up and see it quickly, I, I still say SketchUp is the the easiest way to do it. Yep. Yeah, I think uh, 
especially if you're going to be moving into CNC work, then Fusion is definitely the yeah. way to go because yeah. it's your SketchUp has no no cam functionalities whatsoever. Computer assisted manufacturing, like it it cannot do any of that stuff. Yeah. So it's uh, it definitely falls behind in that arena. So. Um, yeah, I mean, so Zach, I know you use SketchUp. Is it meeting all your needs? Yeah, I mean, I learned AutoCAD when I went to uh, engineering school and and got pretty good with that. I, I feel like there's there's only a couple of things that I miss from it, but I use SketchUp, and I just find that it's so easy to get lost in the details that I like to make things really simple. Like, I don't like too many options. Like, I think it's really easy to, to do a ton of research and try and find the, the biggest, the best, the baddest, the whatever, you know, whether it's your, your video editing program or it's your, uh, drafting program. I I want the one with the fewest options that will do what I need it to do because you can, you can, I feel like for me, at least for my personality, I can, I can create way more problems when I have more options. Like I'm not building furniture isn't typically that difficult of a task uh, as far as drafting, you know, it's, we're not designing nuclear power plants. It's usually, (laughs) usually rectangles, squares, the occasional triangle. Um, I don't use SketchUp to figure out my joinery. I I figure that out beforehand. And so my process, I usually, for ideas and for designing I draw it out in a book with a pen or a pencil and I'll do like 10 or 20 revisions and be like, Oh, what if I make this part bigger and this part smaller or whatever, you know, and get my proportions. And then, and then I'll set my, uh, you know, once I'm ready for that, then I'll set my dimension box and, and sketch up and just go build in there. And I feel like it's really simple. It's really intuitive. I mean, you just, like I said earlier, you're, you're working with shapes and, uh, the joinery, I'll know that beforehand. I don't go through, I'm not going to draw a mortise and tenon on SketchUp. I'm just going to do rectangles and put them where they need to go, you know, and I keep that in mind when I reference it for the build and it works great. So I like SketchUp because it's simple. Yep. Yeah. I think also the, the cut list uh, plugin that I use on SketchUp is extremely valuable to me. So uh, that that's honestly probably the biggest reason I continue to use SketchUp because I know as far as like rendering is concerned, Fusion is a hundred times better than SketchUp. Uh, it, it is amazing. Some of the 3D renders you can get, like they look completely true to life. So um, yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, it really just depends on what you want to do and yeah. the the kind of program you're looking for i think uh one other big thing is fusion is cloud-based and sketchup is not so if you ever want to do any modeling on an airplane or anything like that well you're out of luck with fusion so uh, that's uh something to consider it's a totally cloud-based program so you cannot use it offline as far as i know so um, yeah uh sean in the live chat just asked which plugin do i use uh, for sketchup for the cut list just called cut list so just look it up in the extensions warehouse on sketchup you'll see it uh, it's very quirky but i do have a a video on my channel about kind of how to work that plug in effectively and 
it works pretty well. It's, uh, you know, laying out parts on sheet goods and that kind of thing is very effective. So, yeah. Cool. Well, I guess let's talk about what we've been actually. No, we have a joke of the week. <laughs> we do. Of, nice. Yes. Diami Plotke from modern woodworkers association, another great podcast you guys should check out. Uh, so he just sent this one over on Twitter. How do trees get on the internet? They log in. Nice. Uh, That's good. I have not heard that one. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Me neither. So that was a pretty good one. So what have, uh, what have you guys been watching? James, so you got one here? Yeah. Um, I have uh, just came across a channel called Pale Dog Tool Company. And uh, he does, well, he does a bunch of things, but recently he's been doing a bunch of tool restorations and really doing a bang up job on them. Uh, a really cool channel that I, I, I got into and binge watched. Uh, he only has like 12 or so videos out so far, um, but definitely worth checking out. He is, I want to say he's like a couple hundred subscribers. So, I mean, if we get on there, we could swamp him. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, his editing is fantastic. I mean, he is editing to, to the point I would, I would be expecting him to have several million um, subscribers. It's, he spends a ton of time, great music, uh, great slides, just, yeah, really, really, really cool channel. Definitely check him out. Pill Dog Tool Company. Nice. Zach, you got one? Um, I, I have some, nothing that I've really been watching, uh, but um, just some cool stuff I've been looking at. Uh, there's a, a, I think, is it Sculpturer? Is that like, is that what you call people that do sculptures? Sculptor? Sculptor. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, But uh, yeah, a guy named Philip Jackson, Philip with one L, like these super awesome, like the awesome, like super creepy uh, sculptures that are just, I don't know. It's, you just look at them. It's, they're the most eerie. They're cool. Anyway, so that's check, check that out. Um, also there's this kind of, I don't even know what you call it. Like surrealist, um, illustrations. I have no idea what, what this guy uses, but, uh, they're like kind of just weird dystopian art. Um, his name is Simon Stollenhag. Uh, if you just, if it's like, S-I-M-O-N-S-T-A-L-E-N-H-A-G dot S-E. Um, there's just a ton of crazy, uh, like, weird dystopian art that this guy does. It's kind of like retro, like 80s, 90s retro futuristic stuff that's just kind of cool. Nice. So has really nothing to do with anything relevant, but that's the kind of <laughs> stuff I've been, I've been checking out. Nice. We'll have links to that stuff in the show notes in case you're wondering that's on craftedpodcast.com. So mine is uh, this channel Lignum. Uh, I've seen a couple of his videos pop up here recently and this wooden lounger chair is the video and it is insane. Uh, It's this huge 
It's like a full-on lounge chair, as the name implies, but it's this huge bent lamination kind of frame. So when you sit in the chair, it, it kind of flexes with you, kind of similar to like that chair Ikea has that I think everybody has in their house that, you know, is bent lamination, kind of, you know, flexy and really very comfortable, almost like a rocking kind of thing. But uh, it's just this massive bent lamination frame with all of these slats that he cut out on the CNC and really, really cool look. And I'm very impressed, a very inspiring kind of video that makes me want to think more outside the box. So uh, definitely check that one out. Very, uh, very cool stuff there. So cool. Well, uh, let's finish it off with favorite tool of the week. James, the uh, good old fashioned countersink bit. Um, I'm using it with the uh, the French cleats that I'm hanging up on the wall, and I have a countersink bit that fits in my brace with the the tapered square shank. And I've found uh, four or five different ones over the years, but I have yet to find a place where you can actually just go buy them other than eBay if you can. And I don't know why. There's something I really enjoy about countersinking with a brace uh, it's, it's almost like I'm, I'm thumbing my nose at the power tool world <laughs> That's funny. yeah there there is something just so satisfying about countersinking in general it's like it's true just oh having that perfectly countersunk hole yeah. man especially on metal especially especially on metal and when you have the the screw that fits perfectly into the countersink hole. It's the countersunk hole. It's man, that's it's a that's a good feeling. Oddly satisfying, right there. Cool, uh, Zach, you got one. I do. Um, I'm trying to remember what the what the. I just have the Amazon link I posted. And I'm trying to remember <laughs> what tool it was. Oh yeah, um, it's uh, a, it's called a stream light. It's like a little pen light, but it doesn't suck like all the old pen lights used to suck. It's actually really good. So actually, uh, I saw it when I was up at Jimmy's place a couple months, like a month or so ago. I I saw that he had one. I'm like, what? What is that thing? And and uh, I liked it, so I went home and bought one, and it's been great. It's just like a yeah, it's just a little pen light, but it's bright and great. So yeah. is that the thing you see him holding his teeth all the time? Uh, maybe. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I thought I was the only one I don't probably, well, I don't know. I used to get like, like when flashlights first started knowing what they were doing, like, and they were small and bright. Um, I thought I was the only one in the world that like wrapped electrical tape around the back of the flashlight to hold it with my teeth. Yeah. And apparently I wasn't the, the first one who thought of that. <laughs> so I was always like working underneath cars and stuff and, it's uh it is no fun to hold steel between yeah. your teeth no but the the stream light's nice and small so it's it's not really necessary on that hmm. headlamp that's all i'm gonna say to that yeah man headlamps are awesome man once once you get into like camping and backpacking that's like it's like one of those I things have, like, like you use it so many times outside of camping and backpacking once you own one. Cause like, you know, when you're under the sink trying to fix something or, yeah. you know, it, it is so incredibly useful. Um, or I have two of them. I guess I just need to put them somewhere where I remember that I have them. Yeah. They are, they're awesome. For Nighttime sure. trail running. Yeah. 
Yeah. I feel like my father-in-law has a headlamp on like 40% of his life. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's a fixture on his forehead all the time. So cool. Well, mine is the welding table because man, it's a game changer for me. Just being able to clamp the ground to the table itself and not to the workpiece is uh kind of insane so uh, yeah pretty pretty stoked on that i i'm really wanting to get some clamps for it because that's kind of the whole point of having all these holes in the top of the welding tables that have you know specific clamps so you can clamp in the center of the table so that's gonna i think make things even better so that's my tool so cool well i think that's gonna do it for this week so thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, again, we are on Patreon. We've added that $250 goal for the weekend show, slowly creeping up on that. So top patrons of the week, make, build, modify, master, none, and my mom, Debbie Brooke. So uh, <laughs> thank you to Thanks, all Debbie. of your support. Thanks, everybody. Yes. Uh, and again, if you like the show, leave us a rating on iTunes. It's super helpful. And also, I am going to be in Indiana this weekend at Festival Connect. Uh, up in Lebanon, Indiana. I'm actually doing a panel talk on uh, like social media and woodworking at 10 a.m. there with Jeff Mack Designs and Toolpig and Toolaholic, some huge Instagrammers, and I'll be repping the YouTubers. So that should be... Can you tell them to hook me up with a domino? (laughs) Yeah, I'll put in a a good word. I know this guy. Yeah, this guy. He will never buy. He will never buy a domino. But if <laughs> no. you send him one, he will use the crap out of it. <laughs> yeah, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> yeah, so if anybody's in that area, come out and say, "Hey, I'll have a bunch of stickers with me." So, cool. Well, until next week. Thanks, everybody, and happy building. <laughs>